It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching and whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Hey, you don't know about the Title Bout Game? Uh, Check out our website, BillyCBoxing.com. And click on the title bout banner. It's a great uh, simulation game. So uh, put your favorite fighters against each other. Doesn't matter what time they fought, meaning what era. Uh, check it out. It's second to none. So uh, uh, title bout championship computer game. Today's show is also being being to us being <laughs> being brought to us in by. Hey, I'm a little rusty, man. You know, we've only done one show in the last uh, couple of months. So, today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Southern Gourmet Spice Company. Check it out, southerngourmetspice.com. Look for my three favorites, Kenny Bear's barbecue rub, uh their seasoned salt, and my all-time favorite, my new all-time favorite, I should say, uh Kenny Bear's uh, Cajun Spice. Make sure you place an order today. And uh, mention Billy C and get a discount. Demand the Billy C discount. SouthernGourmetSpice.com. And, of course, today's show is being brought to us in part by, you got it, my book. Yeah, it's still available. Get yourself a copy right now visiting BarnesandNoble.com or, of course, course, Amazon.com. If you want me uh, to sign a copy, just drop me an email, uh, Bill at BillyCBoxing.com. Today's show, we're going to be joined in a little bit. Uh, by my man uh, Dax Khan and, of course, uh, Alex Papali. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, in my opinion, the best ever, and that's uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. Um, you know, I, I, what we're trying to do with this show now uh, is uh, uh, look at uh, the sport from a historical perspective. And I thought, uh, uh, you know, one of the favorite sub, uh, not uh, one of our favorite segments that we've done over the years. And, and by the way, we're in our 19th year. You, you guessed it, 19 years. Uh, we are going to go one more. We're going to do uh, 20 years uh, before uh, uh, I hang it up. Uh, uh, I am uh, getting old, uh, so uh, and I'm getting frustrated, but that's besides the point. But uh, over the years, we've done a segment. It was called, if you're new to the show, it was called uh, Blast from the Past. And it was actually one of... Uh, uh, one of our favorite segments uh, from you guys. You guys uh, loved it. So um, we, we want to kind of do our show around that. And today we're going to kick... I know last week we got off topic. Uh, we were comparing uh, the eras, you know, yesteryear compared to uh, today's fighters and stuff. And I was, uh, you know, just mentioning about training techniques and uh, nutritional advancements for today, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, uh, today uh, we're gonna dis- we decided to uh, uh, talk about Sugar Ray Robinson, the best fighter uh, ever. And, and I want to start off by saying uh, this. First of all, um, 
you know, I, I want to give a shout out to everybody that's uh, watching live right now. And if you are, make sure you come on into our chat room. Um, and you can also watch anytime you want. You can visit BillyCBoxing.com or, of course, our YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com slash Talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, Boxing, B-O-X-I-N-G, and watch it anytime. And uh, if you haven't joined uh, our podcast, uh, make sure you do that. You can do that by uh, visiting our website, BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, okay, Sugar Ray Robinson. Uh, listen, he's a uh, former world welterweight uh, champion. He's a former world middleweight champion. Uh, and he was a former world light heavyweight title challenger, uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Sugar Ray Robinson. Um, you know, what's frustrating to me sometimes when we talk about Sugar Ray Robinson is a lot of younger fans today, no, no offense to to you guys if if you're watching uh i know uh uh we kind of draw some historical um you know boxing fans that uh, have been watching the sport for a long time um you know I, the truth of the matter is 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 there will never be another sugar ray robinson uh thanks uh, unofficial official he's in there uh giving me a, a pat on the back telling me that age is just a number i never gave you my actual age unofficial official uh but uh, uh the truth of the matter is uh, you know yeah it's true age is just a number but uh, uh anyway um you know when i say uh sugar ray robinson was the best ever I, the reason why I, I i say it is you know the man had 201 total fights um, he had a career record, 174 wins, 109 coming by Naga. I, I mean, first of all, if you think about the, the total number of fights, 201, I mean, you know, this is just professional. All right. Forget about his 200 amateur fights. Um, and, and I know some stories about that when the guys come on. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, you know, he fought 1,401 rounds as a professional. Um his knockouts alone uh, at 109 surpassed most fighters today. Um, the argument that we seem to have about this guy is that he does have some losses, uh, 19 to be exact. Um, but so what? You know, when I mentioned that he was uh, a former world welterweight champion and middleweight champion, you got to remember this is when there was only eight weight classes. When he fought uh, at welterweight, you know, starting his career in 1940, uh, going all the way up. Um, let's see. Uh, he lost his first fight against Jake LaMotta in his 41st fight. Uh, and he fought all the way up until, let me just get the exact uh, time. His last welterweight title uh, fight was uh, in 1950. So he fought at welterweight for 10 years. Uh, and he was a world champion, second to none. Um, and he, here's the thing. This is the only sad part about Sugar Ray Robinson. There's virtually no footage of him as a welterweight. Uh, there is some rare footage out there, but there's virtually no footage. So all of the footage that we get to see was actually him as a middleweight. And he fought his first middleweight uh, fight and won his first title, I should say, uh, in 1950. Uh, against Jose Basora uh, when he won. Uh, it was a scheduled 15-round fight, and he uh, knocked him out in the first round and won the Pennsylvania World Middleweight title. Now, during this time, although 
there were a couple of world titles out there. There were some certain states that had world titles, um, and Pennsylvania was one of them. So that was his first fight. But I mean, I, when I today, I, 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 you know, obviously printed out his record. Listen to some of the names that he fought: Sammy Angot, right? Uh, Maxi Shapiro, Fritzy Zivic, Jake Lamada. A lot of these guys he fought multiple times. Henry Armstrong, Izzy Jazanero, a Tommy Bell, um, Artie Levine, uh, Kid Gavilan, who I have his trunks right behind me, actually, Charlie Fusari, Bobo Olson, Bobby Dykes, Robert Villman, Holly Mims. All right. Now, hopefully some of you guys have heard of these guys. Uh, Randy Turpin. Uh, Rocky Graziano, Joey Maximum, who he lost uh, when he fought for the uh, World uh, Light Heavyweight title. Rocky Castellani, Gene Fulmer, uh, Denny Moyer, uh, Paul Pender, Carmen Basilio. Uh, and his last fight, interesting enough, uh, was against Joey Archer. And and he was 43 years old in his fight. It was his, la- his last fight was in, in 1965. And... Um, this was a great fight. It, it was candidate a fight of the year at, at 43 years old. He, he went the distance with this guy, Joey Archer, who obviously is another uh, uh, famous fighter. Ten rounds, losing a 10-round uh, unanimous decision. So, uh, um, I, you know, I, to say he fought some, some tough opposition is an understatement. Uh, joining me right now uh, is uh, my man uh, Dax Khan. Uh, what's up, Dax? Hey, how's everybody doing today? Ah, uh, we're all doing good. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I was actually um, right in the middle of doing something else here, so I didn't expect you to call me on right now. I was <laughs> adjusting some stuff. So Hey, when I see you there waiting, you know, and, and come on, what do you mean you weren't expecting? You were sitting there holding up signs. Please bring me on now. Please. Bring no, me no, on. no. Actually, <laughs> when you had mentioned about Kid Gavlin's trunks, I was looking at, if you see over here behind me, behind those gloves signed by Adamek. And when today's topic came out, I said, you know, on that poster right there is Kid Gavlin, um, Carmen Basilio, um, Jake LaMotta, and um, a few other of uh, Sugar Ray Robinson's um, previous opponents that just happened to be on there from the, I think it was the 1996 or 1997 uh, IBF Hall of Fame. Um, well, these, this uh, the Kid Gavlin, you know, I got to meet him. And I, I, he didn't give me his trunks. I, I ended up uh, winning him at a, on a sign of the No, he did give me his signature, though. No, no, no. He gave me his signature. <laughs> he signed it. But, but, my, but the thing was is that uh, it was one of the last times he, he passed away uh, not, uh, not that long after. But um, all right, listen, Sugar Ray Robinson, I know you deal with uh, uh, a lot of the uh, social media people. Uh, I know you love them all, but but uh, you know I know you get frustrated sometimes, and and you're out there um, more than than me in terms of direct communication with some of these younger fans, and and I know you you and I have talked about this, and I know there's people out there that don't look at Sugar Ray Robinson as the best ever. I I, I mean I do, uh, and some of the reasons that they give, especially to you that you and I have not only talked about but have laughed about uh, was the fact that he lost 19 fights and that a lot of younger fans today uh, have a tendency to look at a fighter and judge the quality of the fighter not by the opposition of who he faced but how many losses he has. Um, 
it, when you look at Sugar Ray Robinson, Dax, a, a, a cat that fought 201 professional fights, 1,401 rounds, to lose 19 fights, considering the level of opposition, I, I, you know, how could you criticize him? Well, number one, when it comes to the losses, I always go back to a conversation that Greg Haugen and I had pertaining to the activity of fighters in this era. And in that conversation, I remember Greg saying, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it was my sister. If I fight her a hundred times, she's going to win at least once. He said he was famous for saying that to a lot of people. Even now, my sister will win um, once. As far as Sugar Ray Robinson goes, you already stated early in his career, you know, in 1940, he fought five times. That was, you know, his... his um, introduction to the sport, but uh, when you break, even in uh, his last year of fights, 1965, he fought 15 times. In 1950, he fought 20 times. In 1949, he fought 13 times. Um, people also don't understand is that back then, there was no TV. No, there was... We had radios. There was a lot. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a lot of TV. As a matter of fact, boxing... And, and I think you just forgot this because you and I specifically have talked about this because boxing was so popular. I mean, there wasn't a lot of TV channels, but boxing was so popular, they actually put out a TV guide just for boxing. It was boxing on almost every night back in the 50s and early 60s. But there wasn't TVs in, and we're talking about... Oh, you mean physical TVs of, in people's living rooms? Yeah, we're talking about the beginning of Ray's career. When he first came out... You know, between 1940 and 1945, people didn't have TVs in their living rooms. A lot of people didn't have radios in their living rooms. Remember, World War II was still going on. Um, so there was no social media. There was no Internet and those type of things. Guess what else? There was, no, of, there was no computer. Guess what else? There was no computers. Young fans can't even fathom that, right? <laughs> so as a way of promotion was... That because unless a fighter was leaving the country, a lot of times Muhammad Ali himself early in his career did this. They drove across country on a bus. And because Ray fought so often and because those were same day weigh ins, not like today where you can weigh in today, then you have overnight three hydrate. Um, it was only the last couple of years where the WBC and the, and the IBF had kind of started monitoring weight loss and limiting how much you're allowed to gain again overnight. You know, back then you had to be on weight. Sure, you can um, rehydrate a few pounds in, you know, four or five hours, but certainly not like uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. when he fought Sergio Martinez, weighed in at 160 and on fight night weighed 181. Hey, you know, Dax, Dax, I don't, mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you, you hit on a, a, a really, really good point because... Think of it this way, and what Dax is saying, boys and girls, you know, with the with the, the same day weigh-ins, what we actually had is accurate weight classes, Dax, because a guy that weighs in on the night of a fight, and you're right, you may be able to, uh, you know, gain a few pounds from from the weigh-in at 10 a.m. to the fight night at 8 p.m. or 12 p.m. or whatever, uh, or 12 a.m. whatever. Um, we had actual weight classes. You make a great point. You know, a fighter weighs in at 160 uh, the day before. The next day, he's 175. He's fighting at light heavyweight, you know? And the other thing is, 
they did have junior divisions back then. I forget if they had super divisions, but they weren't really recognized. Only a few. There was yeah. it started out with a few in the, in the 60s they came up with the most popular divisions and they came up junior like junior junior middleweight was one. You right. Know? So you know, coming in in that welterweight limit, we talk about and we talked about on the show many times and a lot of fans talk about it that um guys like the Charlo brothers or a um, Jarrett Hurd or let's say even Joe Smith, we'll say Sugar Ray Leonard, um, Errol Spence Jr., Tommy Hearns, we wonder how did they make it down to that fight weight? Because overnight they were able to rehydrate so much. And Sugar Ray always had to be on weight. So a lot of these fights that people criticize about Okay, he's the world champion, but he's fighting somebody who has less than 10 fights, and it's a losing record. One, that travel across country, if you're fighting in New York now, and then two weeks you're fighting in Los Angeles, you're promoting that fight. You are sparring, which is what they technically were. They were sparring matches. They weren't really meant to be out there and considered legitimate, genuine um fights, which is why you see most of the time the belt wasn't on the line. And also, um, again, it was a time where the country was poor. A lot of times you needed sparring partners wherever you were throughout that country. And you helped other fighters. You yourself talk about professional opponents. Professional opponents back then relied a lot on being able to get a fight to help feed their family because a lot of times especially uh, people who were manual laborers were out of work, especially uh, like in the wintertime, um, you know, there was no outside work. And back then, I don't believe there was unemployment. So getting an opportunity to go in there and even lose to a guy like Sugar Ray Robinson kind of made you a local sensation. And on that local level, it kind of boosted you up and brought you to that next level. And like we spoke about last week, no matter what's going on in the country, people always love to go to boxing. So it was truly important for those type of fights to happen, not just for Ray, not just for his opponents, but for the sport overall. You know, um, we talked about this last week, and you're, you're 100% right, and you, you hit on something I had as, as notes to talk about, and we, we did mention it last week. The, the truth of the matter is, is yes, they, they fought non-title fights. They didn't spar as much. They fought fights to get paid because boxing was a trade. See, this is something that, you know, I don't think fans today, at least uh, the non-fan that doesn't know the history, don't understand. Yes, the, the money that a, a lot of upper echelon fighters make today is, is astronomical, you know, once they get to a certain level. And they're fighting three times a year. Um, but they do a hell of a lot of sparring. Back in Sugar Ray Robinson's time and during those eras, they didn't do as much sparring because boxing was a trade. You know, carpenters, plumbers, boxers. You know, I mean, it was a trade. Uh, so they, so the sparring was less, but the actual fights were more. And and you're also 100% correct when you say about these local fighters that had a name for them, that made a name for themselves locally to fight a guy like Sugar Ray Robinson um, because club shows were so successful. I've always said that uh, club shows for the sport of boxing is the backbone of the sport. Unfortunately, it's very hard to, to afford to do a club show today, and I think that's some of the, the problems with, with the sport now. Without TV 
uh, revenue or backing or, or a high-end uh, streaming service, um, a, 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 a local promoter can't really afford to, to do a show. Well, back then, we had the um, insurance requirements and things like that that we have today. And, of course, um, television hurts local club shows because of the contract with certain large promoters, um, especially when it comes to uh, premium networks. It went back when HBO was around, Showtime, um, the different streaming platforms, so on and so forth is what made it um, a whole lot more difficult in this era, I should, I'm sorry, I worded that wrong, which makes it more difficult in this era for club shows to be televised. Um, we do see them every now and then on a, um, a small streaming platform, but, you know, of course, not on television. I think the last time we used to see those club shows on a regular basis was more or less Tuesday Night Fights, even though they were more considered club shows when you look at all the names and what they ended up becoming, but um, they were uh, for the most part club shows at the Blue Horizon because most of those guys at the time were unknown when they stepped into the ring, and they were, like you said, they were the best fight, and they were the backbone fights, they were the fights that um, told you whether or not a guy was going to be a future star. Another thing about uh, Sugar Ray Robinson is that early on in his career, look at the level of opposition and the experience difference that he was put in against. I think it was his 20 or um, 21st fight, he was put in there against an opponent that had well over 100 fights. Well, well, that that's another whole aspect of the sport of boxing during Sugar Ray Robinson's era that is so different today. You know, fighting fighters that have, um, you know, uh, double-digit uh, fights or even triple-digit fights total was the norm. It wasn't an exception like today. I mean, considering, you know, you, you mentioned uh, earlier uh, about basically towards the end of his career, when you look at uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, um, middleweight world champion uh, lost his title against Paul Bender um, and you know these were after the two uh, Carmen Basilio fights which they uh, won one he won one and lost one to Carmen Basilio both of those fights uh, in 1957 and 1958 respectively were fights of the year uh, they never did have a third fight. <coughs> Excuse me. And, which... and the year before that, he had went back to back and traded um, the belt with uh, Gene Fulmer, another well, elite Hall of Famer. Well, th this is I, I'm you just beat me to the punch here, Dax, because what I was going to mention was the fights with Gene Fulmer. Now, you know, he lost his title to Paul Bender, and he got his next and last middleweight shot, uh, a, a world title against Gene Fulmer. Now, this is the same guy. We talked about this, uh, Sal, rest, God rest his soul, and I did the uh, Boxing Revisited shows, and we talked and, and uh, did a, a broadcast, a rebroadcast of Gene Fulmer versus Benny Kid Perrette. This was the guy who, who basically uh, should have gotten, well, I, I shouldn't word it that way, but the beating that uh, Benny Kid Perrette uh, took against Gene Fulmer was the fight just weeks prior uh, to him dying in the ring. And uh, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson lost. He got a, a split decision draw in his first fight with Gene Fulmer at, a, a, at his other middleweight title shot after he lost it to Paul Bender in 1960. A split decision draw, extremely close fight. Uh, they fought uh, uh, again uh, three months later, and he lost the unanimous decision. 
and that was his last title shot. Now, considering that, now that was in uh, uh, 1961, was his last world title shot against Gene Fulmer. He went on uh, to fight um, another uh, 44 fights after that. 44 fights after that. And, and with a record, now this is a guy that's, you know, uh, well past his prime, 30 wins, 15 of them coming by knockout. Oh, yes, he had 10 losses, three draws, and one no contest over that span. But Dax, this is a guy that was, you know, uh, uh, still fighting top-name fighters, still climbing the ladder, uh, and ultimately lost uh, his last professional fight in 1965 against uh, Joey Archer, who was 44-1 and one at the time. And that would got many, many well, votes. Uh, his last, his, you're talking about Ray? Ray? Sugar Ray Robinson's last pro fight was against Joey Archer. I thought it was against uh, Joey uh, Giardello. No. He, uh, uh, the Well, my records that I'm looking at right in front of me, it was Joey Archer in 1965. Uh, oh, he, no, you're right. You're right. He, yeah, no, he, no. He no, lost, he lost a... Of, he, he, lost, he lost a very... Very close uh, decision. Many people voted for this fight as fighter of the year in 1965, and he hung it up. Now, let, let, let's make no mistake. You know, Sugar Ray Robinson did retire several times, but from his career, from 1940 through 1965, he the longest the longest time he had out of the ring was when uh, uh, just he prior had that, that three year. That, Three-year time span. Two and a half. After, um, it, it was two, two and a half, right, after the Joey Maxim fight. That was the longest time he was out of the ring. And and this was a guy that, you know, made his living in the sport of boxing. And listen, make no mistake, he was a, a, a guy that flaunted the money. I mean, when he went over uh, to England uh, uh, against Randy Turpin uh, to win his— uh, he lost here in the States and went over to England to win. I mean, this was a guy— that brought his pink Cadillac and an entourage. I mean, listen, he he knew how to he knew how to promote himself too, you know. And just like you know, you you, you loved him or you hated him at the time. But I mean, this was a talented guy. I mean, when you, we you watch the clips of Ray Robinson, um, I, you know, and considering that the era of the filming wasn't like it is today, I mean, this guy could do it all, Dax. Yeah, no, I was um, just real quick about the. Uh Giardella fight, the reason I was uh, brought that up because I just happened to be looking over there and there's a picture of the um, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury second fight and there was uh, something on there that was funny about that is that Ray had, I'm not sure what the official name of it is, but he had a phobia of elevators and on that day I think he had climbed like 12 to 14 flights of stairs running up and down in his hotel room and um, he had mentioned that afterwards not post fight but like a couple days later in an interview saying that um because he was running up and down the stairs all day that when they were announcing the fight you know they were giving the introductions his legs were already like jelly he said he just wished he would just took the elevator and got over it that day and uh but no um when you go back and you look and we'll go back and we'll uh and i'll go back to what you're saying about um him flaunting it and stuff when you see the guy and what he put himself through, and when we criticize guys like Mikey Garcia because he literally had nothing to offer against Errol Spence Jr., who was so much bigger, but he dared to be great. Same thing with Canelo recently against Bavall, where 
all of a sudden he's overrated, but he dared to be great. And he went up. He challenged himself. Like, they challenged themselves. Ray did the same thing when he tried to go for that light heavyweight title. And again, that it was brutal outside. And these guys today, you know, they're fighting in air conditioned venues. That was, I think it was 104 and 105 degrees outside. Um, it was in Yankee Stadium. The referee had uh, quite a few rounds before. Wait that. a minute. And wait a minute. The Maxim said, Do I have an air conditioning. Time out. Card? Time out. That fight, that Joey Maxim fight, Dax, remember the first referee. Yeah, he passed out earlier for the same reason. Yeah, 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 and that's why he had to take the break from the sport because you know it just drained him so much with all the other fights you had behind him. You know, obviously, those who know the sport well understand that later on in Sugar Ray's life before he passed away, you know, the dementia that you know he was suffering due to all these brutal wars, but um. In terms of the flaunting, when we had our uh, Hall of Fame ceremony, that was one of the things I brought up was that he was really the first guy. Remember, Jack Johnson made it really difficult because of those racist days for any black fighter afterwards. Remember how much they hated him. That's why Joe Lewis was always coached on never smile over your opponent, uh, never brag, um, always seem humble. And then when Sugar Ray reached that climax, all of a sudden he became a ladies' man. Like you said, he had multiple Cadillacs. Um, he always looked 100% with the most expensive suits. His hair was always done perfectly. He had a multi-million, multi-billion dollar smile. I can only imagine that version of him today with all the internet, the social media. Could you, so uh, how can, can, can you imagine the type of money he would bring in? You think that Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, Anthony Joshua, and Tyson Fury, those and Canelo, those guys generate money. A guy like Sugar Ray Robinson with the skill set he had, and it was natural. Like Roy Jones had this natural athletic ability, but Sugar Ray Robinson just had this overall natural ability, not only to take a punch, not only in defense, not only in offense, but he could do it all. There was nothing he could not do at his prime, and he knew how to live the part. He knew how to play the role. He knew who he was. He had a grasp that, you know what, I am the best in the world, and he showed it. Well, that's that's the key. He showed it. He challenged himself. And you're a man. I, I couldn't agree with you more, which is shocking to begin with. But I, I couldn't agree. With, <laughs> you know, I love you, Dak. But but I, I couldn't agree with you more. You 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 just hit on a a, a a great topic, because if Sugar Ray Robinson were here today, could you? I, I can't even fathom the amount of money that this cat would be worth. I mean, I, you're you're right. He had all that charisma way before his time. A lot of these fighters, and you know, I know Mike Tyson uh, was a historical guy. He 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 knew the history of boxing and everything else. Um, I, I'm not sure uh, about some of the other fighters, um, but the truth of the matter is. Is that, um, you know, if these guys recognized, you know, the potential of a guy like Sugar Ray Robinson could have had in today's world and then tried to capitalize on on some of that. I mean, that could equate to some of the success that they had. Uh, hey, I want to thank uh, Thunder as promotions right now uh, for their donation. I, 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 I love this. I mean, uh, uh, this is what we're looking for to, you know, really come back 
after a, a, a couple months off uh, uh, and kick some ass because uh, uh, we want to make a statement here, and, and I appreciate that uh, uh, that donation. But, um, you know, one thing I want to mention, you were talking about, um, first of all, Ray Robinson died very young, Dax. I mean, I remember reading it, uh, you know, getting the notice in the, in the paper and, and seeing his picture, and it's the same thing, the image of Joe Lewis at, at the last fight that he was alive in a wheelchair with that cowboy hat. It'll, it'll never, ever leave my mind. And to think that these guys were in their 60s. We're not talking. I mean, Don King is, is in his 90s, you know. Um, these guys were in their 60s. Sugar Ray Robinson died at 67. I, I mean, by today's standards, that's a baby, you know. Um, so, I, I mean, um, it, it's it's sad to, to think about. But, but these guys also prided themselves on challenging themselves. The Joey Maxim fight that we keep talking about, that was a challenge for, for Sugar Ray Robinson. And he was well ahead. Like, he could have held Joey Maxim. He tried to go for the knockout. That like was the problem. Brother. The problem he was he went for the knockout. Remember, he tried to go for the knockout. He could have points deducted and lost those next two rounds and still would have won. He was that far ahead. The only thing I want to say, I'll finish with this, is... Right now in this sport, and everybody complains about the plethora of title belts, the WBA and their regular and then the Super World, and then you have 30 different versions of regional, international, national. You have your um, interim, and then you have the WBC with the franchise, with with their um, interim, with their... um, champion in recess with their regular champion with their diamond with their whatever you know you have the IBF you have the WBO so if you just take those four sanctioned bodies and then take their champions of the of just one of their belts and then you add their top 10 that is 41 guys in each division that is considered the best in the world you know you have four divisions 10 fighters that's 40 I'm sorry that's 44 guys that are considered the best in the world back then there was one guy who was considered the best in the world in every division uh, you're 100% right I got to I, I want to answer a question by uh, by my man Moses in the chat room and and this is a great one because it was one of the, one of my topics I wanted to talk about because Charlie Burley uh, was one of my favorite fighters uh, and he was one of the most underrated fighters uh, at least by today's standards people forget about Charlie uh, Burley it was a great uh, great book out uh, Charlie Burley and Murderers Row uh, if you haven't read it check it out but you know after you buy my book of course but. Uh, 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 Moses is asking, was Sugar Ray Robinson uh, against Charlie Burley ever a real possibility? I've heard people make the claim Sugar Ray Robinson ducked this fight, but I have a hard time believing that. He- here's the truth on that from all the research that I've done on that because that was a big thing for me too, Moses. And, and the, 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 the facts are this. You know, Sugar Ray Robinson never really ducked anyone, but, but here is the truth about Charlie Burley. Charlie Burley... Although he had very fragile hands, he used to break his hands every time he got into fights. I mean, this was a guy that would break his hands in sparring before a fight, and they'd have to put him in the gloves broken. I mean, like Dax mentioned earlier, you know, some of the rules and, and stuff were so different back in those days. But but here's the thing. From everything that I've learned throughout my life in boxing, 
and my you know Sugar Ray Robinson uh, being one of my faves. Um, the reason that that fight never happened wasn't so much that Sugar Ray Robinson was ducking Charlie Burley. It was the fact that Dax and I were talking about earlier that Sugar Ray Robinson was more of a an entertainer where he, he, he knew his value before boxers got the big bucks the way they do today. And the Charlie Burley potential, let me rephrase that, the potential Charlie Burley against Sugar Ray Robinson fight, the reason why it never materialized, and it was because of Sugar Ray Robinson's side, wasn't so much that he was afraid that he couldn't beat him. It was He was more nervous that Charlie Burley would make him look bad because that's how good Charlie Burley was, his defensive proudness in the ring and, and his own ability. So, um, which I believe we got to give the props to Charlie Burley, don't you think, Dax? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just like Jack Dempsey later on in his life, and I'm talking when he was probably, you know, in his uh, 60s or something, where he had admitted that um, he had ducked Sam Langford. And when they asked him why, he said, you know, to be honest, at that point in time, it was a fight that my team didn't want to make and the public didn't want to see because of he was colored. He goes, me personally, I was not prejudiced. I didn't care about that part. But there was just something about him that scared the hell out of me and I just did not want that fight and I just didn't and I prayed that my promote that my manager would not make that fight you know so Jack Dempsey yeah he's another one you, you guys are going to be hearing about us talking about Jack Dempsey Jack Johnson uh, obviously Mike Tyson's going to I mean coming forward uh, with these shows I mean uh, Rocky Marciano uh, I, I mean all these guys we're going to be discussing but I want to tell, you know, we, we talk a lot about Sugar Ray Robinson's pro career and unfortunately all the lost uh, video from, from him as a, as a welterweight. Um, but I, I want to tell some stories about Sugar Ray Robinson that is important to know. One of them is before he became a pro. You know, this was a kid, okay, when he was fighting in the amateurs, you know, from Harlem, right? They used to uh, drive up, and, and and Dax, this is you know uh, not far from where you are now, and obviously uh, I, you know I had businesses down there and everything, but Poughkeepsie, New York, you know, uh, like the the Seven Ups, pick your toes in Poughkeepsie, yeah, no, 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 but I'll tell you what happened in Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie was a very hot boxing town during uh, the late '30s, and and before Sugar Ray Robinson turned pro. Uh, he would fight on these what they called smokers, and, and they they had smokers as professional uh, fights too. But, but the amateur smokers, and he would go and fight. And what they would do is he would ride in the back seat of a rumble car. Now I don't know how many uh, rumble seat in a car I should say. I don't know how many of you guys out there watching or listening to the show right now actually know what a rumble seat is. But it was like a trunk in an old car that would fold up and it would become a seat and sugar ray robinson used to sit in a back seat of a rum uh, uh, in a rumble seat of, of a car on his way to poughkeepsie from harlem now back in those days i'm sure you know it, it's more of a uh, harlem to poughkeepsie dax i mean on a on a good day without traffic maybe you can make it in 45 minutes to an hour but back then 
I'm sure uh, that that ride was was closer to two hours. And and Sugar Ray Robinson was in, in a rumble seat, okay, no matter what the weather was, and he would go and fight in these smokers for a watch. They used to he used to fight and win, and they would give him a watch. And what would he do with that watch? He would trade it in for ten bucks. And that's how a lot of these amateur fighters used to get money. And and the same watch he would fight for next weekend at the smoker, you know, and get the ten bucks. But but he would go through all of that for the ten bucks. I, I find that amazing. Yeah, well back then, um ten bucks was a hundred not like today. Yeah, you know, no. back then ten bucks was really Well, something. geez, back then ten, ten, ten bucks, bucks ten bucks today you could get a gallon of gas, right? Half gallon. Yeah. Just hey, look, ten hey, years ago, a fight. Hold on, let me get let me get Dak and let me get uh, Alex on. Alex is uh, uh, with us right now. You, I, I, I mean, you could probably get a gallon for ten bucks today, right, Alex? I actually just filled up today. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, I actually just filled up today, and it was sixty six dollars for uh, I think thirteen gallons. So aren't we yeah, aren't we glad aren't we glad you're so far left? Aren't we glad you're so far left? So you could get two gallons for. Uh, <laughs> Ten bucks, <laughs> two gallons. Ten bucks, two gallons for yeah, ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, thanks for joining us, Alex. Uh, Alex is with us. We're we're talking about Sugar Ray Robinson. I, I, Dax, finish your thought. I, I you know I saw uh, 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 Alex there, and he, he he was dying to chime in about the gas prices. Oh, uh, my my um. <laughs> Alex, I love you, man. I, I you know I was just saying that to Dax, but you know I love making him. He almost and choked on his coffee. Or whatever's in that cup. Just ten years ago, fighters were getting four hundred dollars for uh, four rounders. You know that was the, as you know, that's what I paid when I when I was promoting fights. We used to pay a fighters a hundred bucks a round for four rounders. That's what I mean. You know, so back then we're talking now seventy years, eighty years ago. Yeah, ten dollars was some pretty big money. That was. Probably more than most working men brought home in two weeks, and I'm talking about like hard laborers. But uh, just to finish up on Sugar Ray Robinson. No, we're not going to finish because Alex. I'm sure no, Alex. No, I'm, I'm sure Alex stuff. ran some. Uh, we got some. We got some uh, uh, title bout uh, uh, stuff, right? Or no? Is <laughs> no. is um, you know? Let's hang up on this son of a gun. You know. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, just just like I said at at our event. Um, hey, your mic Muhammad looks Ali, pretty big there, uh, Alex. Maybe get it out of the screenshot. <laughs> Thank you, sir. What, what, what hey, did, what hey, hey, Dax. Hey, Dax. Hey, hey, Dax. Jeez, Alex has such a big <laughs> mic, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> yeah. Stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> uh, we're but, going uh, off the deep end here. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when we haven't been on in a while. I know. But, uh, I know. But in all seriousness, uh, like I said, during our, our Hall of Fame, I remember when Muhammad Ali, and he, and this was a young, prime Muhammad Ali, not when fighters, after they retire, they say stuff that, as I was saying about Jack Dempsey, where they admit stuff that, you know what, I'm not fighting anymore, so, you know, I can be honest and say what it is. But this was when Ali was actually at his best, and 
somebody had, I forget who the broadcaster was. I don't, it wasn't Cosell, but they said, um, who's the greatest fighter of all time? And he said, well, Sugar Ray Robinson. You know, but you, you said you call yourself the greatest fighter of all time. He says, no, I'm the greatest heavyweight. Hey, um, um, and there is a difference. No, no, I, you know, heavyweights. And I'm just repeating his words. These no, are his words. He-, and he goes, there's a difference. Even me, he goes, even I would not have the gall to say I'm the greatest. I mean, heavyweight, you know, we've talked about this in, in the past. First of all, I want to give a shout-out to Raheem, uh, and thank you for uh, uh, your, your donation. I appreciate it, Raheem. Um, I, you know, you know that, that was the thing. You know, we talked about this in the past over the years about, you know, playing king in a mountain, let's say, when we were kids. I mean, today kids don't play outside. They play video games. But, uh, you know, I mean, we used to play king in a mountain in case anybody – that's actually young and, and watching this show. King of the Mountain used to be when you used to physically throw each other around and, you know, you, you used to, you know, and, and it wasn't a bad thing to actually physically, you know, in, in, in a good way, throw each other around. You, you used to have to be the last guy standing. And King of the Mountain, when you, when you won that, what were you? I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. You know, I mean, that was that was the thing, you know. So everything else fell underneath it. But, um, Alex, I, I know you're uh, popping in here now um, because of your busy, busy schedule. But uh, anyway, uh, we're talking. <laughs> I, I love busting Alex's chops. But, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, we, we, we've been touching on some stuff. Uh, I consider him the best ever. Uh, why don't you uh, jump right in? Give us your thoughts on him from that perspective. Uh, we we touched on the length of his career, uh, the 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 fighters that he has fought. You know, all the Hall of Famers, and and one of the uh, most important things is, you know, the man fought two hundred and one professional fights, fourteen hundred professional rounds, uh, one hundred seventy four wins. 109 knockouts, which, uh, you know, just the knockouts alone surpass what fighters today would ever dream about fighting. And and he does have 19 losses. And one thing Dax and I were touching on earlier in the show was the fact that a lot of young fans today that, and I shouldn't just say young fans, but a lot of fans today, um, I want to be, I'm trying to be political correct, uh, Alex, but a lot of fans today look at double-digit losses as something that is is makes someone not good. Um, what's your thoughts on on overall on Sugar Ray Robinson? And do you share my at least my opinion that he's the best ever? Yeah, I I agree with you. I think both you guys have him as number one. Um, I think he was the best ever. Um, there's, you know, there's only a handful of guys that are even in the orbit or, or in the discussion. Um, what you get from Sugar Ray Robinson is just absolute mastery um, of all the things you want from a fighter. Uh, he could be powerful when he had to be powerful. He was elusive when he had to be elusive. Uh, he could be deceptive when he had to be deceptive. Um, everything i mean he could knock you out backing up i did that to gene filmer fulmer um you know and yeah he he lost sometimes but he avenged the losses i mean i think the only uh possible um 
thing that you could talk about is the, uh, you know, the um, that uh, the the Black Murderers Row, whose name uh, Charlie Burley. Right, uh, we just talked about that fight. The only thing that you maybe you could talk about as being like the, you know, the one thing that he didn't do. But he, again, it's not like you could say. I mean, he made it clear I'm avoiding him. Um, yeah, but there was a reason. It wasn't that he was avoiding him because he wasn't afraid to fight him. We just talked about that um, just prior to you coming on. It was that he was afraid that Charlie Burley would make him look bad, and and that was credit to Charlie Burley. I mean, I, that's the way I took it, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I think just to give maybe put a little context in that is. If you're a modern, if you're a young, a young whippersnapper, uh, you certainly, you probably didn't see Roy Jones Jr. in his prime, but you've heard about him. And we're talking Sugar Ray Robinson, a little smaller than Roy, because he started at a lighter weight. And again, that's another thing that's amazing about Sugar Ray Robinson. We don't even have the footage of him at welterweight, which might have been even more spectacular than what we do have. Um, but, um, Roy was able to, you know, have that same, uh, be mentioned in those same, he's in that same orbit as Sugar Ray Robinson as, you know, a greatest of all time. Um, and if you think about it, uh, one of the guys that, um, gave Roy very, very awkward, cantankerous, difficult fight and beat him by DQ because he frustrated Roy so much was Montel Griffin. The and, first time, um, you know, in a way, the sort of Charlie Burley uh, of Roy Jones's age. Um, but I, I digress. But, yeah, I mean, the thing about uh, Sugar Robinson and the other thing about it was that he was larger than life outside of the sport. He did some acting. He was interested in ballet uh, to like, you know, to help him uh, move. Um, uh, they just uh, one of those one of the. Uh, my favorite Twitter uh, follows is Boxing History, and they just tweeted yesterday a picture of him uh, in front of his pink Cadillac. I, we just we talked about that. We talked about when he took that to England uh, for the Randy Turpin fight. And, and okay, so so you know, I, see, this is what I love about having you guys uh, discuss this with me because think of this, boys and girls. Uh, all all of you young whippersnappers, as Alex said, don't blame me because Alex used that term whippersnappers. Okay, um, the truth of the matter. Yeah, is that political? <laughs> yeah, well, well that political? listen. Anytime, anytime, something. Anytime, anytime that something. Anything, anytime that something may not be political correct that Alex says, I'm gonna jump all over that. But but listen, Lomachenko, right? Vasily Lomachenko. We all talk about how his father made him do the dance and the ballet, right? Now, Sugar Ray Robinson was way ahead of his time. Does that indicate that maybe Papa Lomachenko knew something like that? You know, and, and this is where, and, and this is great. Actually, Alex, that's, that's great because one of my problems with the, with the younger fans, those young whippersnappers, as Alex Papali said, you know, uh, one of the problems I have is that they don't know the historical aspect of the sport. And this is where a guy like Papa Lomachenko may have learned something from the past. And this is where 
these types of things tie the sport together. And you get look at a guy like Lomachenko and and his ring generalship, his his uh, movement, and how people always say, "Oh, you know, I, I'm ready to hit him," and and you know he moves around and he spins around and he's not there anymore. Well, this was all things that a guy like Sugar Ray Robinson was way ahead of his time. And when we do when we do Jack Johnson, we're going to talk about the same types of things of how a, a, a guy was ahead of his time. When it comes to that aspect of the sport, and and this is great because you know this is where I feel that a lot of young fans and fighters are missing the boat, Alex, because they are not historically uh, educated, and I think that that would help their careers. What do you guys think? Oh, absolutely. Um... Certain things have evolved. Um, a lot of kind of stalled out for a few years in terms of styles because everybody was being trained exactly the same. Um, Manny Stewart, um, Bowie Fisher, you know, when, you know, once those guys passed away, more or less everybody just started it was the same style over and over again and fighters themselves inside the ring as their career progressed, you know, their styles kind of changed a little bit. Um, even now, if you watch all the young fighters, um, as good as Floyd Mayweather was with the shoulder roll, everybody trainers who have no idea. And I've argued with people and they've gotten mad at me and, I was actually kicked out of somebody's gym one day when they invited me over there. And I said, you know, you're teaching them and you're letting them do the shoulder roll. Floyd Mayweather, long before he did that, you know, he was a traditional stand-up boxer. You know, that was something that he worked on for a lot of years. And they didn't believe me in, in those terms. So, again, back then, we had guys that excelled like Sugar Ray Robinson because they were so versatile. I used to rent a building and own a gym from a guy that went to school actually with Marty Servo up in Schenectady. And there is, I don't know if you ever seen the movie or the documentary, read the book uh, called Facing Ali, where um, they talk about their lives being so much different and the way they looked at everything was so much different after spending time with Muhammad Ali both during the fight and after the fight and he said that you know Marty Servo after he had lost to Sugar Ray he never looked at the sport again the same because he realized it doesn't matter what you do how hard you work some guys just have something that Nothing is going to be able to be taught, trained. Nothing is going to be able to be worked out into the gym. Some guys, and Roy Jones Jr. at super middleweight is a perfect modern example to where they're just so naturally gifted. They put in that work, and when they execute it, there's almost nothing you can do. And the last thing I'll say about Sugar Ray Robinson and then you know let you guys discuss this, in my opinion... Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta, that was the ultimate and the beginning of the boxing mind game. We speak about how much the fight is won even before the bell starts. In their series against each other, 
did you ever notice, and of course, you know, we weren't around back then, but a lot of those fights, even though that Ray won them, he was not as destructive against him as he was against guys that were even better than Jake LaMotta, because Jake LaMotta was really a basic fighter, but there was just something about the pre-fight when they would have their... Um, press conferences, when they would have their face-to-face, uh, the way that Ray, I mean, um, Jake would talk to Ray inside the ring, seemed to get inside of Ray's head, and that one famous line that really did take place in Raging Bull, when he says, Ray, you never dropped me. That fight, I mean, in his 40, what was it, his 41st fight, I believe, um, was his first loss. Against Jake LaMotta. Yeah, and, but I'm talking about that one, the one where he TKO'd Jake. No, no, no. I know. St. Valentine's Jake. Day Massacre. But, 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 but here's the thing. It, you know, I, it, it's something that doesn't happen today. And it's unfortunate. You know, that, that was a great matchup. It was a great sell. It, it was at welterweight and middleweight, if, if I recall correctly. Um, and the the thing is, is that, um, you know, those, those fights were, were so good. Today, you, you get a fighter that wins. We wouldn't have seen as many fights. What, what did they fight? Six times? Five five, uh, five yeah. wins for, for Sugar they Ray? They two or three times within a two-month time span? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, because he, that was his first loss against Jake LaMotta in his 41st fight. You know, so, I, I, I mean, you know... I, Look, I mean, styles make fights, you know. Yeah, I'm talking they, about the mind game itself. I mean, is that, to me, looking back throughout the whole sport, you know, all the... But I believe you know, they I've meant it back then. No. That's the difference, Dax. I don't mean to cut you off, but that's the difference back then. Yeah, Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, he was the guy that, that you know, started the, the, the promotional stuff. Uh, you know, the, the him and... Uh, all of his opponents, but but you know the the thing is is that with with guys like Sugar Ray uh, Robinson and, and Jake Lamada, you know the, the rematches and and the 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 fights that they had with with each other. I mean, it, it, there was no problem fighting them again. Yeah, I beat you, but I'm going to fight you again. It was a good fight. You know, today it's like yeah, I beat you. I don't need to fight you again. And and you know the fans. Don't demand it. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fans. Come on, let's call a spade a spade. A lot of it has to do with the fans because the fans are the ones that demand the fights. Right, Atlas? Well, I think one of the things that uh, in terms of like Sugar Ray Robinson, if you as a fan, one of the beautiful things about uh, being a boxing fan today is you have YouTube. Um, and so many of his fights are on there uh, now granted if you're the modern uh the whippersnapper um <laughs> it might be tough because you know watching something from the 50s you know it's not in 4k but if you love the sport uh you're seeing the greatest uh that there ever was uh at work uh and that's worth you know, going to the library and doing a little research. And that that's what's the thing that's beautiful about YouTube is that 
you could go, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's all on there. It's not everything, but so much. It's I've crazy. had people ask me about uh, Tom Molino, but unfortunately, they can't find any videos of him. Of course, there was definitely no iPhones, uh, no iPhone uh, footage of him. Um, but I think that's one of the things is that um, I think that turns off some young fans. Um, now, you know, it's hard to read because if you're going by Twitter, you know, it, it can be a cesspool. So, you know, I, I don't want to give, uh, you know, too much credit to people that are just making a lot of noise. Um, but I do think we are living in a time where there's a lot of inf uh, emphasis on the getting to the ring and what you how the pageantry of that than there is in the ring. Um, you know, now granted the in a way intro yesterday, I don't know if you saw that, but to the lone guitarist, that was badass. Um, but um, I just do think that uh, we're, it's a time of flash, not substance. And I think that's the thing that was so absolutely amazing about Sugar Ray Robinson is you got both. Yeah, it's, ahead uh, of his time. Ahead of his time, Alex. He was speedy and flashy, but he was a gladiator. And I think that's what Dax is saying. I think that's maybe, maybe that's why they matched up so well is because even though he wasn't somebody who really loved boxing, uh, it's not like he eat, ate and breathed boxing when he was away from it. Um, he was just phenomenal at it. Um, but I think he was also into tap dancing. Well, uh, well, well, when Dax was talking about ballet, he did professional tap dancing. He performed uh, doing professional tap dancing. I mean, there's video out there of him right now on that famous uh, You Do Too Do Too ba Baby uh, where he can... Uh, where, where you can see him doing tap dancing. As a matter of fact, there was a time when he was doing his shows, tap dancing. You know, I mean, these guys back in the day, uh, Jack Johnson, uh, James Corbett, uh, Jack Dempsey, etc., they made more money after they became a, a champion uh, running the circuit, doing stuff like that, sparring or or, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, Sugar Ray Robinson's case, uh, you know, doing tap dancing. But, um, you know, this is what I mentioned before about Lomachenko's, you know, Papa Lomachenko, I should say, uh, forcing uh, Vasily to, to take dancing uh, lessons and, and, and learn that because I, I, got, I don't know this for a fact because I've never spoken to him, um, but I would assume, and you know what they say about that, but I assume that he knows his history and history repeats itself. And, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson uh, was a guy that uh, I, I would think if I was bringing my son up today uh, that I would want to emulate and try to, 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 to follow the path that he took to his greatness. Um, and I think that that's something that is so lost today with fighters because uh, of something, uh, Alex, that y you missed that Dax and I touched on earlier was the fact that a lot of these fights, um, these fighters fought so often, but they weren't all knockout, drag out, killer fights 
because they didn't spar as much. We talked about this last week. Um, and, you know, you come into, to, you know, small uh, town USA and the local tough guy fights Sugar Ray Robinson. And, of course, he loses, uh, but he gains respect in that town. And Sugar Ray Robinson gains a paycheck because boxing is a trade in that era, not today, where they fight three times a year and they get Fighter of the Year award. Right, and I think that's one of the things that is especially when we talk about eras competing with each other that's where that that uh that mike silver factoid is so important uh of just uh, the comparison of registered licensed prize fighters how there's just so many so much fewer today than there used to be and i think because if you think about that Okay, maybe the nutrition, the training, all those things. Yes, people are bigger, stronger. Uh, like Mike Tyson says, uh, athletes don't get worse; they get better. So, I mean, that's why they, you know, every Olympics they shatter records. Um, this sport, I think, there's always going to be fuel for the past eras argument because they saw and had to deal with just more styles and when you're fighting that's what it's all about but but today i think that the the fighters and the fans are not looking at it that way alex i i think that you know they they're they're so uh, we've been We've been led down a path to believe that the O is more valuable than the level of opposition or the amount of fights that we've fought. Uh, and, and to me, that's one of the problems we have with sports. You know, and, you know, I don't want to be criticized because I know I have been in the past and, I, and I'm sure I still am. But, I, I, you know, it's not that I'm knocking the, the, the fighters of today because I, I respect every fighter. It's the, the, the problems that I have with the sport today is the way we, we, I think we can all agree that fighters deserve to make as much money as they possibly can. Um, and I'll be the first to, to, to hold that flag. But I think that, you know, the banner and the fan and the, the, the person that starts to argue with, with a Dax Khan about, um, you know, why this guy sucks because he's got double-digit losses and this guy is great because he has no losses and they're not looking at the level of opposition. And, you know, somebody mentioned Deontay Wilder earlier in the show and, and he's a prime example. I mean, look, he's a one-trick pony. You know, whether you like him or not, he's a one-trick pony. He had unbelievable and still does have unbelievable punching power, can end a fight with one punch and, and that would... That simple fact makes him uh, a, a great fighter. But the the truth of the matter is, is he's a one-trick pony. And fighters of yesteryear and, and guys like uh, Sugar Ray Robinson had much more in their treasure chest of talent. And, and that's what bothers me about the sport today, that they're not getting the recognition that they deserve. And I'm not talking about just the old-time fighters. I'm talking about even young fighters because, Dax, you know as well as anyone because you're in the, the trenches in terms of uh, young fighters and the amateurs and everything else. You know, a lot of these 
young kids that are showing the talent um, may not be getting the opportunities uh, because of either they're not signed with the right person or they may have had a, a loss or two early in their careers, etc., uh, etc. Et and, and I think that that hurts the sport long term. And that's my thoughts. Oh, absolutely. It hurts the sport long term. And some of our all-time greats, whether or not it's divisional or pound-for-pound all-time greats, lost early on in their career. A guy that many consider the second-best pound-for-pound fighter or, at worst, if you're truly an educated boxing historian, you would say the fourth best pound-for-pound fighter of all time, and that was the original three-division simultaneous world champion, Henry Armstrong. His very first fight, I do believe he was knocked out. Uh, first first couple, out. wasn't he Wasn't he like uh, one in three in his first four fights or something crazy like that? Something Two and like three, that. something Bernard like that? Hopkins, I believe Bernard Hopkins... Um, he lost his first fight. There, you know, there there have been guys that have lost their first fight, and losing a fight is bad in a promotional angle. But for those who know the sport, for those who are who they're working around the sport, so on and so forth, especially if you're a trainer, okay, Alex, um, his uh, his trainer, I'm his cornerman, and we expect him to go out there and just you know. Bull Rush, uh, Billy C, you know, just walk over him. And what ends up happening is, is that uh, Billy is just so smooth on his feet that Alex couldn't cut the ring wall. And you know what? I have to take some of that blame myself because, you know what? I never taught Alex how to cut the ring off since Alex was forever knocking people out. Whether or not it was in sparring or whether or not it was in a fight. He was just... So, I have to take that fall. And we always hear... We won tonight. You never hear we lost. No, tonight. you're right. Nobody they're holds rarely, them. Nobody holds. Nobody holds themselves that. accountable anymore today. Nobody. A guy speaking about YouTube and stuff. That was another thing. But Ray, back then they didn't have footage to study of opponents, especially if you were traveling and these were last minute fights. You're fighting twenty times a year. I'm sorry. It's hard to prepare for anybody when you're fighting 20 times a year and he has fought 20 times a year more than once so he has opponents where it looks like on paper he should have just had an easy time with them and he should knock them out and you see that you know what this guy has 26 wins and he's got 23 losses and he's only got 8 knockouts this should be easy work for Ray and all of a sudden Ray gets in there and that guy's fast. That guy's slippery. That guy moves around a lot. And yeah, hey, hey, I, I, just, hold on, Dax. I just, I just, Dax, I just came on the road. Dax, I just want to interrupt you for one second. Henry Armstrong, one and three in his first four fights, and I'm going to leave it to you two guys. I'll be right back. Yes. Yeah, so, so you, you know what I mean, Al? It was very hard to. And another thing that we don't see today. In, in terms of that, you know, is, is the opposite where nobody outside and all the old time great trainers are leaving with their passing or 
or retiring. I don't care if it's Freddie Roach. I don't care if it's, um, you know, the other guys that have passed away and so on and so forth. These young trainers are, for the most part, YouTube trainers, and they're not doing their homework outside of these clips that are on YouTube. And once again, promoters, members of the team, be it the um, manager, trainer, your buddy from next door. Obviously, they're only going to put out the highlights and the good stuff that they want people to see on there. Or if you are one of six guys that could possibly be picked for the next title fight, me personally... I'm going to put out all the stuff that makes you look the easiest guy to beat. So this way, when they're looking around because they haven't heard of Alex Barry too much, oh, man, look, this is all this guy's got. I don't even know how this guy's ranked over here. And So this way, we have the advantage now. They're going in there and thinking that, who's the guy that, um, for example, um, Mikey Garcia lost to? Uh, Errol Spence? No, the little known guy from overseas um, starts with an S. Oh, I don't remember. But I, I do think that I think that kind of thing is much more difficult today because uh, if there's somebody who's fighting in actual fights that are televised, you can't hide the bad stuff. Um, I mean, if it's gym footage, then yeah, you could only release. But again, how far does that go? Because eventually, well, I mean, I guess depending if you're looking at the Pauls, they've taken it pretty far. But um, I think that's all, always you have a different, um, uh, there's some sort of a gimmick that's also being, you know, marketed in terms of uh, just making a fighter, you know, gain experience, you know, he's going to have to fight tough fights eventually. Um and yeah, if uh, if if that's if you end up being in a little too deep and you take losses, that I think Sugar Ray Robinson is a perfect example of somebody who, uh, well, first of all, the idea that he was losing uh, was just not part of the equation for so long. Um, he was undefeated as an amateur, as a pro for long, long time, um, and then it, it was like. For him, the losses almost make him more uh, entertaining because he has rematches and shows us that he can learn more and become even better and conquer someone who conquered him. Um, I don't know. To me, that's always as much as Mike Tyson is what inspired me to get into boxing. And if I ever met him, I would not bring this up. But... um, that's a knock on him. He never came back. He never uh, rematched a guy, and uh, he didn't even come back in a fight. Um, that is a, a, a situation. That's one of those uh, yardsticks that measures a great fighter. Interesting. Um, that's an interesting yeah, uh, point. That apples. That was. Um, you, you, thank you, that apples, for the uh, Sander Martin is the guy that uh, Mike Garcia lost to, and. Uh, that was supposed to be an easy fight for Mikey Garcia. That was supposed to um, get him back on track and make people forget about the Errol Spence fight. And Mikey Garcia kind of looked like an amateur in that fight. And Sander Martin has a style that's very similar. And I do believe 
is promoted by uh, Sergio Martinez. So, oh, is- but again, that part of that was the weight too, though, um, because wasn't it at um, was it at one forty? Yeah, well, then Mikey Garcia was the A side. Sander Martin, he just happened. I think he can forget he was ranked, but he was ranked low. And uh, yeah. Mikey Garcia kind of, you know, jumped at the opportunity and thinking, okay, this is going to be a fast track for me, you know, to get back into one of the 140. But my point, as I was trying to say uh, before, is that today guys have this advantage. They don't take. When not the guy, but the teams don't take advantage of this footage, even if it's not on YouTube, you can get footage somewhere, you know, whether or not it's on websites, um, you know, um, clips on boxing forums, somewhere you can get footage somewhere with all the social media. There's somebody out there who has been to that gym, even if it's just for sparring sessions, that have some sort of clips. Uh, look at the um footage released with um, Tank Davis and Teofimo Lopez that nobody ever seen before until all of a sudden um, around the Lomachenko fight when they were trying to just create and stir the pot, which social media fans love to do. So, but back then, like I stated, the Sander Martins, how many Sander Martins were there out there that, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson was just kind of... As we were saying about Charlie Burley, he didn't want to look bad, but, you know, he happened to see Charlie Burley in action. And Charlie Burley was a known name, but somebody, you know, that Sugar Ray Robinson went against who had a losing record in one of these little small towns. Had no idea that, you know what, these guys, they trained really hard. They were slick. I wasn't expecting it. They're going to be a stopover. It was going to be an opportunity for me to smile. It was going to be an opportunity for people to get pictures with me in front of my uh, my pink Cadillac. And it just turned out the wrong way, you know. And these are the differences between them today. But what makes him the greatest is exactly what you said about Mike Tyson not rematching. Exactly what Bill said before about, you know, the rematches um, against, you know, some of the top names, rematching guys that were really tough, adjusting and just the natural ability. Sugar Ray Robinson was just special overall and once again, imagine taking his personality, his boxing ability, using today's modern training methods, not traveling to fights like he used to in buses. Um, You know, he did fight overseas a few times, but slow down the pace. Don't go fight 25 times in a year. Don't fight 12 times a year. Fight four or five times a year. And imagine what Sugar Ray Robinson today would be. Oh, he would have so, made a, a gazillion dollars. Right, we we talked about that before, gazillion. But let, let me just say one thing about, again, one more thing about Charlie Burley. There's another aspect of this where Sugar Ray Robinson was ahead of his time. He was a, a, a you know guy that knew the business. He was a moneymaker. He, he was the first fighter to... Uh, sign a television contract where where he made the the biggest percentage and all these things. He he was a definitely a pioneer and and, and laid the groundwork for for fighters to this day. But the other issue about Charlie Burley, not only did uh, Sugar Ray Robinson and of course his team 
feel that you know Sugar Ray Robinson may have not looked stellar against the Charlie Burley. It was also not a money generating fight during that time. We look back at that now and we say, "Oh wow, this was a fight look at Charlie Burley, you know, everybody ducked him, you know, it was a you know, uh during that era, you know, Murderer's Row like Alex uh mentioned and I mentioned earlier than that that book, Charlie Burley and Murderer's Row. I mean, if you anybody out there never read that, after you read my book, read that one. But but the truth of the matter is is that the, the you know it wouldn't have been a money fight fight at that time because the, there weren't a lot of people. Charlie Burley wasn't generating the revenue that that a Sugar Ray Robinson would. So why would he take it? Sugar Ray Robinson knew the risk versus the reward aspect of the sport long before many others did. And I think that if, if we had to pick one reason why the Charlie Burley fight never happened, I think it would be that reason. In in final thoughts, fellas, because we got to go, what's your thoughts on, on that? Do you think that that played a part in the, the non-Charlie Burley versus Sugar Ray Robinson fight that never happened that, you know, people today think should have? I think marketability, definitely. I mean, this sport is about entertainment and putting asses in seats. And I think the fact that it... Um, you know, um, may not have uh, been the most thrilling fight to watch. It would have been a uh, chess match and a difficult chess match. Um, yeah, that's you, you don't want, you know, promoters don't want to market something, something like that unless you have to, if it's like a mandatory or something like that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm getting ready for the Hall of Fame and I was cleaning out some stuff and seeing what to bring. And I have a bunch of old t-shirts and I have a t-shirt from Freitas Rahim. That's a fight that, um, that's not a fight that if you're, if you want to go to YouTube and like, Oh, I want to watch a fight tonight. That's not one to watch because it was a difficult, it was interesting, but yeah, it wasn't, uh, Freitas against Diaz. Uh, at Foxwoods was a fight to Diaz, watch. Diaz, yeah, because again, those guys matched up well. I was ringside Diaz, for that fight. Diaz, Diaz, I, I loved that fight. Time. I I loved that fight. I was ringside for that fight, and I was sitting right next to Diaz's family. And wow, that was I, I remember the fight. El Perito, yeah, at the Baby Bull, he was always in thrillers. He was, he was, and even in the law, uh, in the court of law, right? Wasn't he going to yeah, school? <laughs> I don't know. I, he I, ended up stopping, though. He ended up stopping. Oh, did he? We did because he, he remember he was going to school to become a lawyer, but then he stopped going to law school to pursue boxing. Oh, oh, big mistake. He's doing well today, though. He, was, he's, uh, uh, he has his own uh, business going and stuff like that, so he's doing. Oh, that's cool. he's, he's doing well today, but just in terms of. Um, his mom was I can, cute. I can definitely agree with the um, the money aspect and the putting the fight together. And remember, back then it was more difficult to put fights together. And back then, the only real household name outside the president in terms of sports was the heavyweight champion. Um, yes, all the world champions were uh, more known than today, and they were um, at least. Most guys knew who all eight world champions were, but um, it was a lot harder also to make fights back then because 
unlike today, they didn't have that six month, eight month, years time to negotiate, go back and forth. Here's my offer. No, here's my counter offer. Because they had to fight in between there or else they'd go hungry because that was their job. Even as a world champion, back then, I'm sorry, folks, they weren't getting these millions and millions of dollars that people are getting today. And that money went pretty quick. Even guys like Sugar Ray Robinson, by the time they got that big, and back then $50,000, $100,000 was a huge payday. By the time the um, next big fight came along, that money was already done and gone. A lot of guys like Joe Lewis, for example, um, ended up suffering later on by the government for the taxes. Fighters still do, but either way is that um, a lot of times fights like that, aside from it not being marketable, when finally they decide, okay, let's make the fight happen, because they were fighting so often, who knows what could have happened. And then Bill brought up a great point before about uh, Charlie Burley having such fragile hands. It's like, okay, I'm ready. Here's the contract you signed. And Charlie Burley, now he has an injury because he got hurt sparring or he got hurt in a, uh, a fight that he had taken at last minute. So that got delayed. Now all of a sudden, Ray... Yeah, but but the difference was Charlie. But the difference is the difference is Charlie Burley used to put broken hands into the gloves to fight. That that listen, uh, this is the I'm kind. I'm just saying it could be a whole. No, no, I, I I understand what you're saying, but listen, this is exactly what we're going to be doing, boys and girls, uh, over over the next uh, several months at least at least until we we surpass our 20 years. We're in our 19th year, um, and. You know what Dax was saying. I'll just conclude with this. It it go exactly what Dax was just saying. It, it coincides with what we said earlier. In the days of Sugar Ray Robinson, boxing was a trade, no different than a plumber or a carpenter, etc. And it, it, you know these guys made their living. Uh, not that fighters today don't make their living boxing, but boxing was considered a trade. So for a fighter to fight. Um, you know, 12 times a year, uh, and of those 12 fights, five of them were against, you know, uh, uh, top-notch opponents, or four were against uh, people that they put their titles up against, and, and the other uh, five or six were against, you know, uh, local heroes. Um, is is a big difference uh, today. You know, fighters fight three times today, and I think that some of the uh, three times in a year today. Um, but but some of the, the, the younger fans don't recognize the difference of how the sport was, was uh, you know, run in those days. And, and they, they actually hold those some of those fights. You know, even a guy like Sugar Ray Robinson who fought somebody with a losing record in, in uh, East Bumfuck, uh, uh, Idaho, um, you know, to, to, to put food on the table. It shouldn't be held against him. Um, because when you look at the, and we mentioned it early in the show, how many Hall of Famers the man fought during his career, um, I think it just has to be put in perspective. Final thoughts on, on that, Dax? On his career? No, no, on, on the fact of how it's it's different today, uh, you know, what I just said. Oh, um, Probably the best way to sum that up would be that famous Jack Dempsey um, line or paragraph or 
phrase, however you want to put it, you know, when he talks about, you know, I was knocked down plenty early in my career and I could have stayed down, but, you know, I couldn't because I had to collect $2 for winning so I didn't go home hungry. You know, I had to get up because it was one of those moments and I was one of those fighters that didn't get the big paydays. And if you haven't eaten in two days you let somebody hit you in the chin with a sledgehammer for $5 and you'd have to be hungry for two days to understand. I'm, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing that, but uh, people can find it online. You know, that's more or less what Jack Dempsey said. And I think that's, you know, the difference between back then and today and um, not just with the fighters, but the promoters too, because promoters remember there was no laws to protect fighters back then. So your manager, your promoter, Everybody was screwing everybody, you know, so the fighter's manager was screwing the fighter, but then the promoter was screwing the manager, so on and so forth. So there was a lot different than it is today. Uh, Alex, final thoughts today? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I just think that uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, um, definitely check out uh, some of the fights on YouTube. The Fulmer fights, the uh, Ra, um, LaMotta fights, like we mentioned. Check out the Joey Maxim fight and how uh, um, that was one of those things. You know, uh, just uh, the 15 round bout uh, was something different than these athletes do today. Uh, the, the exposure to the elements in that situation uh, is what beat him less and, and how he dealt with it. Um, at, at the same time, his opponent was able to handle it better. Um, and sometimes that is what it comes down to. And to think that, you know, this is the greatest guy in the world and he was, he was beaten by the heat. Um, but it was, it was heat enough to take out. It needed two referees. Right. We, uh, Dax and I were talking about that today and, and Joey Maxim didn't have it. Like, like, uh, Joey Maxim said after that fight, he didn't have air conditioner fans in his corner either. Exactly. Well, and you know me, I always like the sort of X-Files stuff. Uh, I, with Sherry Robinson, there's, of course, the uh, he was involved in, in that tragic, uh, the Jimmy Doyle fight, and the sort of doo-doo-doo-doo part about it is the... Um, we didn't even talk about that. that that's is, a whole other premonition about that fight, right? The, the Doyle yeah, so fight. He, he had yeah, a, he, yeah, I had that down on my notes, and I just... I know he. I mean, he was he was adamant about not going through with that fight. They told him he was nuts. Yeah, they said, and they. I guess they brought in a. Um, I think they brought in a member of the clergy, a priest, uh, to uh, to pacify him and get him to sort of put his, you know, uh, fears at at ease because he had dreamt that he killed him, um, and the priest, I guess, convinced him and. Um, he uh, went out and he knocked Jimmy Doyle out, and Jimmy Doyle passed away. Yeah, and, oh, and, amazing. And I think maybe this is a good way to close with him because it's another. Uh, it's one of my. It's a great quote, uh, just like Joe Frazier has some really great uh, morbid quotes, but there, I think, it's the reality of boxing. It's a very dangerous sport, uh, and uh, in the there was an inquest about the bout. And uh, a member of the commission or somebody asked him, uh, asked Ray Robinson, you know, was it your intention to get him in trouble, uh, you know, about Jimmy Doyle? And he said, sir, it's my business to get guys in trouble. Correct. Correct. Hey, listen, fellas, I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to say right now, our next show, Joe Lewis, are you guys good with that? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So everybody watching or listening now. Yeah. Everybody watching or listening right now. Our next show, which will be live right here. Same bad time, same bad channel next Wednesday. Our feature fighter that we're going to talk about is Joe Lewis. And I just want to, uh, we were talking in the chat room, you know, as we progress with this, uh, some more modern day fighters and Ray Mercer's name was brought up uh, last week. We talked about Marlon Starling. Uh, of course, we're going to have those guys on live. Uh, all, all of us know them personally, and it's going to be fun to have, uh, especially Ray Mercer and Marlon Starling, uh, the two I mentioned, uh, here live. And uh, Bobby Chez, we'll, 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 we'll dig him up as well. So uh, as we move forward, uh, these are going to get better and better. So next week, same bad time, same bit channel, Joe Lewis. Right, fellas? Absolutely. See you All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Ciao, you baby. Too.